First Samuel chapter eight. Anybody want to give us a page number? Awesome. Good deal. Let's pray one more time. We'll get rolling. Father, we thank you today for your word. God, we're a people that believes your word. Lord, we believe it wholeheartedly from Genesis to Revelation. Father, we thank you, God, that it is life. And, Lord, we receive that life today. And so, Father, we just open up our hearts wide because, Lord, we know you're a good God. You're a good dad. You're a good father. And you desire, God, to bring your purpose and your will to fruition in our lives. And so, Father, we just open our hearts up wide to receive all that you would have for us today. And, Father, we thank you, God, that in your, according to your word, God, that we are literally moving from faith to faith to glory to glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, in, in last week's message, we briefly talked about God's desire. Basically this, that, that how God desires to make our rough places smooth. We talked about that out of Isaiah 40 and Luke chapter 3. Uh, you're good, Miss Kim. And, uh, but listen, I don't know about you, but over the years, God has revealed to me more times than I can shake a stick at the rough and the hard places that's in my heart. Has anybody got a witness with that? So listen, uh, I've walked with God long enough to know that when he shines his light uh, on an area, and even the ugly areas of my heart, he's not really doing that to embarrass me. He's not doing that to shame me. He's not doing that to condemn me. He's not even doing that because he's angry at me. Uh, rather this, and if you get anything today, get this, please. Rather in those moments when he comes and he gives his attention or he shines his light on something, it's in those times he is simply trying to gain access. He's trying to gain access. He is trying to get our, our permission to reach into the places that we've never allowed his tender love to touch before. It's a good place to say amen. Listen, I've learned over the years, even though it can be scary when God uh, goes to touch something, uh, I've learned that God reaches to heal, that God reaches to restore, that God reaches uh, to make us whole, and he reaches because he loves us and because he cares. So today I basically want to take a few minutes and uh, talk about a time where God reached in my life, and then I want to kind of share with you some insights and just some few little simple, and I, I want to stress the word simple because today's going to be very simple, but some simple truths that I learned through the process. So we're going to start off in, a, in kind of a unique way today. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to start basically midway through the process for me, and then we're going to back up, and I'm going to tell you how it began, and we'll kind of end it out, okay? So it's, it's going to flow a little strange today. But anyways, if you're there in First Samuel chapter 8, say, oh, yeah. Look at verse 1, please. It says, Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Let me kind of give you a little historical background here. From the time that Joshua, Moses' successor, from the time that he died up until this point in 1 Samuel chapter 8, God had raised up 14 judges. And uh, if you've, you know, a student of the Bible, you'll know that Samuel was actually the, the last of all of those judges. And so, once again, uh, you'll see the basic the transition from being a nation that was led by judges to be a nation that was led by kings in this portion of Scripture. But it says this, once again, Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons, notice he made his sons, God didn't make them, but he made his sons judges over Israel. Verse 2, the name of his firstborn was Joel, the name of his second was Abijah, it's says they were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes and perverted justice, says then the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel's house. Okay, it says, and they said to him, look, you are old. It's like you came all that way to tell me that. Right. So, look, you are old. And, and I have to say this just to kind of 
lighten us up a little bit this morning. But uh, theologians believe, in fact, let, let me, let me, let me, yeah, I said this way. Theologians actually believe that Samuel was somewhere between 55 and 65 years old at this time. Just saying. All right, here we go. It says, look, you are old. It says, and your sons, I'm just saying, it, God said it. So, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Watch this. Here's the key part. Now make us a king. Somebody say a king. Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So fast forward in the story. We know that God didn't agree, right? So not only did he, he didn't agree with their decision, but he reluctantly gave them the desires of their heart. And soon after that, Saul uh, became the first king of Israel. Fast forward again to the day that Saul was going to be uh, proclaimed as the new king of Israel. This is what Samuel said. And this is the whole reason we've talked about all this to get to this uh, one verse. Flip over to your right. First Samuel chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, and Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Now, the reason he said this is because uh, obviously in the previous chapter, you find out that that Saul uh, was was a very tall man. In fact, he was uh, the other tallest man in Israel pretty much just came up to his shoulders. Theologians believe he was over seven foot tall and they believe he was very attractive. Of course, the word says he was attractive. So it says uh, there is no one like him among all the people. And then it says, so all the people shouted and said, long live the king. In verse 25, here's our key verse for today. It says, then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. Then Samuel explained, he gave them the details to the people, the behavior of royalty. Can we say that? Can we say the behavior of royalty? says that he wrote it in a book and he laid it up before the Lord. Now watch this. You know, we can't get through a sermon without me defining something. All right. So behavior means this. It means the way a person acts or conducts themselves, especially toward others. The way a person acts or conducts themselves, especially toward others. Royalty here, it means this. The people of royal blood of rank, of status, a royal quality or character. Once again, a people of royal blood, royal rank, royal status, royal quality, and royal character. Now listen, you may be sitting here this morning thinking, what in the world does this have to do with me? I want you to know this morning that has everything to do with you. Everything. Watch this. The Bible tells us this in 1 Timothy 1.17. It says that God is the eternal king. Psalm 74:12 makes that title of kingship there personal when it says, for God is my king. So not only is our God the eternal king, but 1 Timothy 6:15 tells us that his son is the king of what? Kings. That he is the king of kings. So here's the point that I want to make about the behavior of royalty. Watch this. I know we may not feel like it this morning in the natural, but the truth is, according to the word of God, the moment that you and I ask God to cleanse us and to save us through the royal blood that Jesus shed on Calvary's cross, we became the sons and daughters of the eternal king, which means we are now members of the eternal royal family. You thought that was just in England, didn't you? Watch this. So because of because of Jesus's blood, we are a people of royal blood. Our rank and our status are not from this world. We're not part of the uh, we're now part of a heavenly kingdom. And our father is the leader of that kingdom. Is that true? 
Yes, it is. The Bible tells us this in Revelations 1, 5 through 6. Just jot down the references. It says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Watch this. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Are you thankful? And then it says in verse 6, And has made us kings. And priests. First Peter two nine echoes this when it says this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Has anybody been called out of darkness this morning? Listen, just for fun, turn to your neighbor and say, I bet you didn't know you were sitting with royalty today. If you believe that's true, say, oh, yeah. Listen, I personally believe that just as in the days of Samuel, God still desires to explain the behavior of royalty to his people. I believe he still wants, in other words, the father's heart. He still wants us to know the behavior of royalty, meaning this, that we have a king as a dad and he wants us to know this is how we operate in the king, son. This is how we operate. Sorry, in the kingdom. This is how we operate in the kingdom, my daughter. And so when we, we need to basically ask ourselves today this is how does the father expect his royal children and that we are to behave? How does he expect us to act? How does he expect us to conduct ourselves? I want to show you a verse here in James 2, 8. It says this. It says, if you, turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. It says, if you really fulfill, if you really perform, if you really execute the royal, watch this, the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love. We'll stop there. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love. Now, let me clarify what kind of love we are not talking about here. Look up at the screen. I'm going to show you a verse in Genesis 27, 1 through 4, because I believe we would all agree our nation, people in general, are very confused on what uh, love really is. Okay? We, we use that term very loosely, don't we? So, let me show you here real quick a guy that used the term real loose, okay? It says this in Genesis 27, 1 through 4. It says, Now it came to pass... When Isaac was old, y'all see the theme here today. <clears throat> when Isaac was old, I'm, I'm playing. I love y'all. I'm just kidding. Having fun. You tell him, girl. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. Then he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Verse 3. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Watch him use this term very loosely. And make me savory food such as I love. Hush up back there. (laughs) By the way, that's my kid. I can say that. All right. So, anyway. so You know, look, in my house... Sorry, side note. You know how you try to teach kids how to share? In my house over the past few weeks, everybody wants to not share what they're supposed to share, and they're all sharing what they don't supposed to share. Right? That's why we all sound all awful. Anyways, we all hacking and coughing. Anyways, all right, so watch this. 
says in verse 4, And make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that, I'm, uh, that my soul may bless you before I die. It's not uncommon to hear people make comments like that, is it? It, it kind of goes something like this. Oh, I love ice cream. I love shopping. I love flowers. I love long walks on the beach. I love sunsets. I love romantic comedies. As for you ladies, all right? Us fellas say things like, I love eating steak and lobster. I love hunting and fishing. Not hunting, hunting and fishing. I love hiking, muscle cars, big trucks, and I love sports. Has anybody ever heard somebody say that? Has anybody ever said something like that? Yes. It's amazing how loosely we use those terms, but that's not what God's talking about here. In fact, we don't really uh, love those things. We only really enjoy those things. And it's okay to enjoy those things. Amen. I ate ice cream last night. I did. L- listen, um, the reason we can't love those things is because we really only have the ability to love things that love us back. Right. Right. So what kind of love is God expecting his kids to have? Watch this. Once again, James 2, 8. God is saying you shall love. Now, that word love there, um, I'll just say this because you might be new to this. Um, in the Greek language, there's basically three main there's three main words that are given for love. And obviously the New Testament is written in Greek. Right. So we translated it. So one of those real fast is um, basically the most common is a reos love. That's where we get our word erotic from. OK, it's a sexual kind of love. And, uh, you know, that's what a lot of our nation knows. Yes, just turn on the TV. OK. And so, anyways, that, that's, you know, I would say this. Let's get real. A lot of times when we first get married, that's really all we know. Is that okay to say that? The, the, listen, the Bible says that it is better to marry than to burn. So we're burning, right? We're burning. And you get married, and that's kind of what you understand is that erotic love. And then there's that phileo love where we actually, anybody ever heard of Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love that comes from phileo. And uh, so that's just basically a friendship kind of love. Those are not the two types of words that are in the scripture. He's not saying you shall have an erotic love or you shall have a brotherly love. He uses the word that's the most powerful, and it's only really designated for one person. It's you shall uh, agape, and that is basically, that is God's love, God's kind of love. Now, before we go and say, well, it's just designated for him, understand this, that he lives inside of you if you are born again. So the moment that you, uh, once again, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, forgiven, clean, born again, all those things, God came and he made his home inside of you. And when he made his home inside of you, the Bible tells us in Romans, I believe it's chapter 5, it says that the love of God was shed abroad or poured in your heart, that agape was poured in your heart. And the reason it was poured in your heart was for the purpose of it being poured out. Amen. So let me give you three definitions that kind of give a more rounded look in, uh, of what agape really means. Okay. So three definitions. The first one's this, and none of them are short. Um, but the first one says this. Agape is an undefeatable act of kindness that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. Y'all get that last part? No matter what he or she does. I'm going to say it again. Agape is an undefeatable act of kindness that always seeks the highest goods, the best, the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. Did you notice it doesn't say what person? It says the other. It's people. 
Are you following me? Second one is this. Agape is a self-giving love that gives freely without asking or expecting anything in return. Agape is a self-giving love that gives freely without asking or expecting anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. And does not consider the worth of its object. Let me pause here. We've, we've all had people in this world that we didn't care for. Fellas, you got a mother-in-law. I said fellas. So, okay, look, it's kind of joking there, okay? What's and I know they were like... Listen, my mother-in-law's coming in like three weeks, so don't y'all say a word, all right? So... She is. So I'm, I'm kidding. Nobody get bent out of shape. I'm just having fun, okay? So, um, anyways, but truth is, listen, we're human. We don't, we don't, we don't always like every person we meet. True? Is that okay? I, I, I will be, um, I'll be honest enough to say that, okay? And so, but that's the part here where it says self-giving love that gives freely without asking or expecting anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. In other words, it doesn't depend on how great you think they are. Maybe they're not in your same social status or whatever. It, it, it doesn't look to it, okay? Let me move on. I get, I'm getting the evil eye from a few people. All right. The mother-in-law thing did not go over well. I'm, it was a joke. I'm, I'm sorry, okay? Shh, it was a joke. All right, here we go. Number three, moving along. I'll teach them forgiveness in a few weeks. Here we go. All right. Number three. All right, so agape is an unconditional love. Get that. It's an unconditional love that's based off of choice. In other words, there's no conditions attached to it. It's a decision of the will, not in an emotion. Y'all believe those things. So I'm going to tell you, at least for me, when, when the first moment I felt like, man, I really understood what those three were about, was the mo- the, literally the moment that my little girl was born. I was, I was done. I was a wreck. You, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't even know what kind of personality you got yet. But I'll do anything. Yes, it was an unconditional agape kind of love that it didn't matter what, what, were, what, what would happen. Even, even now, you know, listen, if they act up, it doesn't change the fact that I, I, I love them. Right? I can get in an argument with my wife. Okay? And those do happen. We're real. Okay? We can get in an argument, but it doesn't change the fact that I, I'll do anything for you. I love you. Are you all with me today? Moving along. All right, here we go. So let's hit the rewind button really quick. I told you at the beginning that I want to tell you about a time that God reached toward me and give you a few insights. Okay, so I'm going to tell you where it began for me, where I started going down this road. And by the way, today's just really to set up where we'll be going for the next few weeks, okay? So today's not necessarily designed to bring a closure to anything. So it's just kind of to open up the subject. So in the summer of 2003, uh, we were in our church's uh, Sunday night service. And, um, you know, as in most churches, Sunday nights is really, is really when um, the hungry people come out. Are, are you all with me? So, you know, let me, let me throw this out there for you. Just hit my head. I'll throw it out there. I, I had a, a pastor 
that you'll meet in a few months. I was talking to him on the phone the other day, and uh, he told me an old quote by Leonard Ravenhill, and it said this. It said, on Sunday morning, you find out how popular the church is. On Sunday night, you find out how popular the pastor is. It says, on the midweek prayer meeting, you find out how popular God is. Pretty good, eh? So we were in one of our Sunday night services, and this uh, particular time of, uh, basically our time of worship kind of evolved into a prayer meeting. And, uh, you know, in those moments, at least that night, the, the leadership team was pretty much expected and asked to, to take a time up at the platform to lead the congregation over a specific area of prayer. So kind of when my time came, I went up, led the people in prayer, uh, went back to my seat, and, and I just continued to pray in the Spirit. And as I was praying in the Spirit, I, I heard the Lord say this to me. It's just, once again, some very simple words. Uh, but these simple words, and I don't think I'm exaggerating at all here, that they've absolutely revolutionized my life. And uh, sometimes we, we look for these big things from God, but it's the little things that a lot of times we miss out on that's really causes the, the greatest life change. But I'll say this, these few simple words have probably uh, challenged me and healed me more than any other words God's ever spoken. And so, anyways, here's what I heard that night. He said this, he said, Quentin, love God, love people, love yourself, and receive love from all three. So simple. Quentin, love God, love people, love yourself, and receive love from all three. And it's amazing. Here we are 13 years later. Um, you may not be able to tell this because of my, my mother-in-law joke, but um, it was a joke. Um, that has really became the, the foundation of my Christian walk. Those simple things, love God, love people, love yourself, and receive love from all three. It's almost like, um, you, you know, it's become the North Star. It's kind of what guides me. And it's also the thing that here we are 13 years later that still recalibrates me in those moments. In other words, when, when you're in those moments and you get in the flesh or you're in those moments and you're, you're stressed out, whatever it is, and I just kind of feel, you know, the gentle touch of the Lord remind me, love God, love people, love yourself, and receive love from all three. So let me just be honest with you maybe for a few minutes. That night, and, and I don't mean months, but I mean years, years later, I tried to work through those, those simple words, piece by piece by piece. And I tried to do it with an open heart. And I've got to be honest with you, it felt more like open heart surgery uh, probably a majority of the time. Uh, because, because those words, you know, God knows us better than everybody. And, and those words uh, required me to look at the mirror like, I, like I'd never looked in the mirror before up to that point. Has anybody ever been there? So they kind of went like this. Um, I, I took that first one, Quentin, love God. I'm pretty methodical and process-oriented in the way I think. But So I, I just thought, Quentin, love God. I, initially, this is what I thought. I literally thought, God, what in the world are you talking about? You, you know, I sincerely believe that I'm trying my absolute best to love you. How can you, how can you ask me to love you? And, and then, you know, it's this thought of going, God, I don't know what else to do to show that I love you. And, you know, through the process, I realized that was my problem uh, as I was trying my best to prove to God that I loved him. It was from performance and a works mentality uh, rather than letting my love from him just kind of be natural and just kind of flow from a grateful heart. So much more peace than the other one, right? 
So, you, you know, it's, it's that thing, and, you know, I think I've said it here before, but, um, you know, so often in Christianity we try to work for peace instead of work from a position of peace. And, and, and you know, in that spot, that's what God was trying to get me to. Just, <sighs> calm down, son. Calm down. Quit trying, to, quit trying to prove everything, right? Quit trying to show me something. And the reason I did that, let's be honest, is because when you feel like you've got to do that with your parents and other people, then when you come into the kingdom, you feel like you've now got to do it to him. Because, because why? Because if I didn't do all of this, right, if I didn't meet their conditions, then guess what? I wouldn't be loved. And so somehow you come over here in this agape love that's unconditional. It's so foreign. Yes, it's so foreign. And you think, man, uh, you, you know, and God's going, you know what? I, I just love you. And, and it's the understanding. And, and this may sound crude, whatever, and I don't mean it crude, but it was the understanding for me that God loved me, me. Just as much as he loved the crackhead under the bridge. Just as much. And it was that understanding that God didn't have love, that God is love. Right? That he is love. And so, once again, I didn't have to try to somehow get him to stir up an emotion toward me. He was just already that. So why the Bible says that he loves the just and the unjust. So, anyways, the next part where he said, Quentin, love people. This one immediately hit home. There's just things you go, okay, Lord, that, that's just true. You know, I was very aware. Once again, I think I was maybe, oh, I think I was 20, I was 24 years old at the time, okay? 24 years old. And I was very aware of the, of the constant struggle that I had in my heart to really love people. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, just like most people, I, I had quite a bit of people that I would say, you know what, I really, I really love them. I thought I loved them. I would say I love them. But, but when you really took a step back, got all the phony and fake stuff out the way, right? Uh, I knew what God was saying. I, I knew that even though I said I loved him, I really didn't love him the way that he desired for me to love him. Because why? Because agape wasn't in the picture. There were so many conditions. And once again, I was doing to others what my parents did to me. I will love you if, fill in the blank, right? If you do this, then I will love you. Once again, it's not kingdom, then that last one there of Quentin, love yourself. I, look, I don't know if anybody's like me, but pl- please, if this is you, let it land, okay? Um, this really got me. Love yourself. I, w- I was almost speechless. I, re- I, re- I said it this way. I wasn't even good at faking this one. You know, you, you could get in there and you could do your motions. You could worship God. You know, you can do all of that, and you can, you can do your deal, and you can, you know, get around people. God bless you, brother. I love you. Blessed and highly favored of the Lord. You, you know, you can, put on all, you can put on the show, right? Fake it till you make it, right? You can do all that, but when it comes to you, you can't run from you, and you can't fake you. True? So I remember thinking, God, I don't even like myself, much less love myself. And watch this, and this is really going to hit home for some of you guys. You know, I thought this, God, after all, religion has taught me that loving yourself was pride. We've so been taught that. So watch this, please get this. Unknowingly, I had given myself a spiritual reason to stay in my self-hate and my dysfunctional insecurities. Right? I, I literally thought... That that made me, it was almost like slap a badge on my chest. It makes me more spiritual if I don't like me. Because once again, that's what they tell you, right? 
Because, watch this, it's a whole lot easier to, to think that you're more spiritual by doing it than it is to, uh, to deal with it. Right? To go look in the mirror and go, okay, God, let me, see what, let me see it for what it really is. So, watch this. If those three areas weren't exposing my heart issues enough, God, God had to go say that last part. Once again, love God, love people, love yourself, and then that last doozy, and receive love from all three. What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you know? Receive love. From, so God was here, you know, once again, Quentin, I want you to receive my love for you. Quentin, I want you to receive people's love for you. Because I didn't understand that God's love was actually in other people. Because I didn't feel it in me. So, literally, I'll say this, kind of getting ahead of myself. But if somebody came up and threw an arm around me and said they loved me, I didn't believe them. I thought they were just doing the church thing. Being fake and phony. And then that last part of going, hey, I want you to receive love from yourself. So, watch this. My prayer was pretty authentic and vulnerable. I just said, God, uh, I've been told for years, right? I've been told for years that you love me, but I'm not convinced. Just not. I'm, I, I'm not it's like I'm not buying it. I'm not, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not 100% sold on the fact that you love me. I understand. Have you ever been in a spot where you feel like somebody has to tell you something? And I just feel like they, they kind of have to tell you that. Hey, Jesus loves you. And I just say, okay, whatever. You're strange. But, so listen, so take that. And I say, God, if I'm not sold in the fact that you love me and I have a hard time receiving your love, what, what makes you think I'm ever going to receive love from a bunch of imperfect people? If you're supposed to be perfect, then how can I receive love from an imperfect people? And once again, I, you know, I know I said it, but somebody would come up and they would... Uh, you know, give me a compliment, somebody to be, I mean, genuinely kind. I mean, there was, listen, I know now there was nothing wrong with those people. Okay? There, 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 was, there was, the problem was how I viewed myself. And so, so anyway, so they would come and they would say things once again, and I just kind of shrugged it off, kind of, you know, dropped my head, dropped my shoulders, appreciate it, and I kind of moved on, and I just thought, whew, got out of that awkward moment. Anybody ever been there? And then so I'm sitting there going, okay, if I can't receive your love and I can't receive people's love, you know, that last part, God, of receiving love for myself, God, that just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make sense. I hope I'm not talking to the wall today. I hope this is relatable, okay? Um, but it's this, and, and it may not be these exact words, but you've had your moments. You guys have walked with God long enough that you know when God is speaking to your heart, um, you know that he's trying to lead you to a place of healing and a place of wholeness. So, listen, I did know God well enough. You, you know, and, and you guys know what I'm talking about. You've been there where you're like, okay, I think I believe it. I really want to believe it, but I'm just unsure because of all this stuff that's in my past, right? But I knew enough about God to know that he wasn't being mean. And, I, you know, I knew he was being kind. I knew he was trying to be gentle. And he was trying to, uh, he, it was really, here's the word, he was inviting me to come and be healed by him. He was inviting me to come be, to be made whole. Because the truth is, as I, as I, had a, um, I had a free will and a free choice in that, didn't I? We do. So, anyway, so I knew he was leading me there. So I began to have a lot. And, and, and what I mean by a lot, I mean a lot. <laughs> a lot of honest and a lot of vulnerable dialogue with him um, that I've never had up to that point. And, and really, it really here's what's happening. You know, I'm thinking about that, that season as I'm talking here. Um, right when, when God said this to me, 
uh, I was leading a youth ministry, and I was leading a school of ministry, and we were traveling basically uh, all throughout Texas, Louisiana, and the surrounding states, and, and we were ministering all the time. So we were, we were on the road nonstop. We were blowing and going. And, and I was really, truthfully, more in a position where I was praying more about what we were ministering than just more about being in intimacy with God. For you guys that have done ministry, maybe you know what I'm talking about. But, it, but it's going, basically, it was always, we've got to pray about the next event. We've got to pray about the next service. We've got to pray, uh, you know, for these people to get saved. We've got to get ready. Got to get, you know, it was constantly all of that. And, or it was, okay, I've got to pray because I've got to teach this ministry group. Or, okay, I've got to pray because I've got to go preach to the youth. I, you know, and I was just running ragged. And, and so, it, basically, my, my mind and my heart and all this was just so much on giving, 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 giving. I wasn't really receiving anything from the Lord. And, uh, you know, I was pretty burned out. But what happened, right, basically, God said this to me. And I think two months later, I stepped out of full-time ministry, was out. And I went to a housekeeping job at a church. Okay? So I left that. And i got to be honest with you. I was so thankful. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other story. God, God humbled me quite a bit through that process. Uh, quite a bit is an understatement. But uh, he humbled me a lot. I needed it. But what happened was is it gave me time to, I went through literally a season where I didn't touch a mic in a service. I just came in, and if they wanted me to pray for somebody at the altar, I prayed for somebody at the altar. And that was so new for me. It was really foreign because pretty much from day one that I got born again, we were doing ministry. And, uh, you know, the only thing I did during that season, I think I led a small group at my house for some teenagers. Uh, Jen and I did. But literally, it got where I wasn't trying to always trying to read the Bible uh, to get a message. <laughs> right? But I was reading the Bible, and I got to enjoy Him. And, and basically, God began to open up the Word to me in so many ways that, that I never saw before. And this is kind of part of the process that happened. Uh, during the season, there were things that I learned. But so, anyways, let me say this. So I simply began to ask him, once again, in a real honest, real vulnerable way, I began to ask him to help me in each of those areas. Listen, I'm a proponent, please get this, that if God speaks something to you, take time and pray into that. Okay? If he says something to you, God, God is intentional, he means what he says, and he says what he means. And so if God speaks, if you know it's from him, you better take it to the prayer closet because that means he's inviting you into something, okay? So I begin to pray into this, and literally, uh, incrementally, piece by piece, the lights begin to be turned on. Literally, revelation started coming. I began to understand small things like this. I know this sounds super silly, but this was where I was at. This was so basic. That love was not only meant to be expressed, but it was also meant to be received. That was a newsflash. Sounds so simple. You know, but once again, when you're in a works mentality and that's how you live, you don't know how to get it in return. You, you know, you miss scriptures like it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But guess what? It's still blessed to receive. Yes. So anyways, so I started seeing God. I started seeing people. and I started seeing myself quite a bit differently. And uh, I, I started really. Here's what changed is I started seeing um, I started seeing through his eyes. And my heart began to change. Instead of, instead of that person that used to get me real bent out of shape, I saw, I saw them for who they were in him, right? And I began to look in the mirror, and I began to recognize who I was in him. And I began to see a tenderness and a loving side of God that I never saw before. And, you know, hopefully I'm making sense to you. But um, basically through this process, I, 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 
I'll just say it this way. My rough places began to be made smooth. It was like God really took a file and he began to... Literally like revelation by revelation. So, anyways, because I'm the um, kind of guy that I have to see something in the Bible, if God speaks something to me, I want to find it. Okay? So, I'm going to show you an address here where loving God, loving people, and loving yourself is at in the Word. And there's not... Listen, if you've spent any time in Christianity... Uh, this address isn't going to be new to you, okay? But I just want to show you. Some of you guys can probably get up and quote it. So it's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 39. It says this. It'll be up on the screen. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and saying, verse 36, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Familiar, right? Verse 37. Jesus said to them, you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great. Some translations say the greatest commandment. So there's loving God. But what about loving people? Look at the next verse in verse 39. It says, and the second is like it or just as important as the first. That's what it means. Okay. You shall love your Neighbor. Now think for a second. We're not talking about our, our geographical neighbor, okay? Uh, remember what the disciples said or what the people came and asked Jesus. They said, who is our neighbor? And we know that's where we got the parable of the Good Samaritan. But Jesus taught us that our neighbor is every living and breathing soul. True? It's every person. So we got loving God. We got uh, loving people. Now, what about loving yourself? It says, you shall love your neighbor as it was there. I didn't even know it was there, and it was there. Love yourself. And I remember, once again, I'm, I told you guys today it was going to be simple, but I remember, I remember just sitting there, and I began to realize that if I didn't love myself, that there was no way I could really love my neighbor. There's no way I could really love people. I begin to see that. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's the whole golden rule, doing to others as you would have them doing to you. You know? But but what I notice is is the reason, watch this, let's get honest, and there's people in here this is I'm telling you, we're knocking on your front door today, okay? Watch this. That the reason I would get with Kyle and I would make comments, I would make jokes, I would, I would uh, say smarlet remarks, the reason I would do things is because at the end of the day, I didn't like the fact that Kyle felt so good about himself because I didn't feel good about myself. So I was going to dog him to try to bring him down to my level. Are you following me? Watch this. I did that to my wife about the first three years we were married. I didn't like the fact that she thought so good about herself. No, that's sad. Okay? I, it's sad. But that's what I did. Because, because Jen grew up in a family that loved God. Okay? And, uh, you know, her, her mom, her grandparents, her dad, all of them, they loved Jesus. I came from a crew of people that didn't have a clue who he was. And, and they operated from anger. You know, when you got alcohol in the system, you're going to say a lot of things that you shouldn't say. Right? And they were, they were lit half the time. Okay? So I grew up in a very disempowering uh, culture. She grew up in a very empowering culture. And so those two contradicted pretty harsh. Follow me? And so, but literally, if it, so it, went, it went not only, 
not only with, you know, my wife, but also went for these other people that were around me. And then what happened was, is when, when God began to touch my heart and change my heart, I began to see it in all these other people. It still sticks out to me today like that. And the reason is because it's such a like spirit. I get it. Been there. Yes? So watch this. So when I saw this, I realized that if I didn't love myself, there was no way that I could really love my neighbor or love people. And then I realized this. This is where uh, it, it was like, man, a slap in the face. I realized that if I didn't love people, then that means I didn't really love God. Y'all, please listen to this. That if I didn't love myself, then I couldn't love people. And if I didn't love people, I didn't love God. Now, the problem is a lot of people in the church that are mean, they say, well, I love God. Just people are hard to get along with. You've, listen, I missed it. They've missed it. That's not the heart of God. L- listen, listen, if you think I'm being tough, listen to what uh, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 7 through 8. It says this, two, two scriptures, and we're going to close. It says, Beloved, this is 1 John 4, 7, 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Watch this, verse 8. Here's key. He who does not love. Who's he talking about? He's talking about people. He who does not love people does not know God, for God is love. I didn't say it. He said it. He said it. And listen, when, when I realized that, that was, I mean, it was like getting hauled off, slapped in the face. <laughs> Wait a minute. That means I really don't love you? But that's what it says, isn't it? You, you know, now watch this. I've got to bring this picture for you. But I was walking around a, a self-righteous little punk, thinking I was the man because I could pray three hours, four hours a day. Thinking I was it. Listen, 1 Corinthians 13, brother, you can prophesy, you can do all these things, right? You can move mountains, blah, blah, blah. But if you have not love, you are nothing. Whole world opened up for me there. <laughs> so watch this. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says this. It says, if someone says, I love God, y'all, please, I'm, I'm reading this verse for a reason right here, for one word, really. It says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, just say he hates people. Now, I want you to I want you to see something here. The word hate there doesn't mean that you like angrily despise someone. Right. I hate them. Right. And you slam your door. It doesn't mean that hate there actually means in the Greek language. Watch this. It means to love less. Got real, did it to love less. So if someone says, I love God and loves less his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? He's saying that you can't. Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Wow, huh? Am I the only one today? Like a punch in the gut, isn't it? So, so literally, I mean, literally, take for a second. We, we have a minute here. Um, take for a second and just go through the people. I have them in my own life, so I know you got them, okay? That you go, man, Lord, I'm not really loving them to the, to the level that you want me to love them. You, you know, watch this. Let's even go this way. 
I don't think anybody in here really loves God less, but we do love people less. Meaning that for some reason, you know, man, I really like this Tommy guy. I, I can really, really, really love him. I can really love this guy. But this guy right here, eh, not so much. He's got a personality that kind of gets me. Literally, Jesus is not deciphering between the two. Right? Love all the way. Okay. Love all the way. Love all the way. Yes? Am I making any sense? Yep. All people. All people. I got some brothers that are tough to love, too. I got four of them. I could tell you some stories about them. I'm good with all of them. They're just not all good with each other. Um, maybe we should send them the podcast. Anyway, so this is a message from Bruce Jordan. Here you go. All right, here we go. So let me close here real fast. The point is this, is that we love ourselves if we love ourselves. We've got some work to do there, don't we, gang? If we love ourselves, then we can love people. Let me back up. Let me stop right there. Part of loving ourselves is simply this. We've got to stop seeing ourselves through everybody else's eyes. We got to. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that even as long as I've been born again, okay, that sometimes when someone's commenting about me, how quick it can derail me. Blown away. I mean, like, and I can't tell you how many times I've just went, Lord, you know, I should be so beyond this. In other words, I, I literally I have, I have a book in my office that I wrote in there, and I said, Lord, how long will people's opinion of me hold more weight than your opinion of me? So, but it's that, is Lord, give us eyes to see ourselves the way you see us, right? So if we love ourselves, then, then guess what? Then we can love people. There's freedom in that. There's freedom to love people. And it'll be genuine, be authentic, it'll be pure. So if we love people, then guess what? We can really love God in an authentic way, too. The three really go together. And it's really this thing, if you maybe get this today. That all three of these must be in action if we're really going to live with the behavior of royalty. If we're going to act with the behavior of royalty as we are, then, then guess what? All three need to be in there. Let me throw this one thought at you, and, uh, and we'll transition. It's in a little bit different light. Let's see, what was it? I think Friday morning. No. Either Thursday night or Friday morning, and I'm, I'm going to wrap up here. I knew I was going to talk about royalty. I went to one of my bookshelves, and um, I just grabbed it off there and just said, okay, let me start reading. I just opened up chapter one started reading, okay? And, and basically, it, it went like this. The author said that he was sitting there one day, and his assistant came in, and his assistant was uh, kind, of, kind of distant. She had kind of a distant attitude. And he said, he called her by name, and he said, what's wrong? And uh, she said, you don't understand how much uh, your opinion holds weight around this place. And, um, and he said, basically, what do you mean? And long story short, uh, he said something cute and sarcastic to her, and it offended her. Okay? And he thought, you're being way too sensitive. And, uh, you, you know, basically, I've been misunderstood all my life. I get that one. Okay? So he said that night he went to sleep. And 2 o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke him up, dropped a scripture in his heart. And, and for the life of me, I don't, I don't know the reference. I don't even know. I, it's in Proverbs. And I don't, I don't know if it's a different translation. That might be what it is. But I don't ever remember reading this verse. I've read Proverbs. 
uh, you know, tons. But it basically, the, what, the Lord, what the Lord told him was this. He called him by name, and he said, basically, I have brought you to a position of a king, but you're still acting like a pauper. Okay? So, so watch this. Let me make this real quick. Is that we said up top that, guess what? God has brought us in positions of kings, every one of us. He's brought us to a place of royalty. But so often, we still act like paupers, like peasants, right? Instead of becoming and rising to the level of the way God sees us. And, you know, and I, I went on a hike on, on Friday. I needed, to, I needed to get in the woods. I don't know. It's a little short, little four-mile four hike or something like that. But I went in the woods by myself, and I, and I never do that. But I just need to clear my thoughts. And as soon as I hit the trail... And I'm walking down. I'm over there by Mirror Lake at that St. George Trail. I'm walking, and I ask, I ask the Lord, Lord, is there any area in my life that I'm supposed to be acting like a king, but I'm acting like a pauper? Please show me. And I just try to walk with an open heart going, Lord, show me. Because guess what? This is, this is the bottom line, okay? I recognize that, okay, I have a call in my life. God's called me to be a pastor. There's an anointing. There's an office. There's an authority. All that comes with it. I, I I, I get that, and I'm learning to walk in that and all that stuff. But I'm just like you at the end of the day. We're still people, and, and, we're, and we're all still trying to process and deal with our insecurities and deal with our mess. we all still got baggage and suitcases load of crap that we got from when we were kids, right? And we're just one by one saying, Dad, can you deal with this? Dad, can you deal with this? Dad, can you deal with this? And thank God he loves us enough to deal with them, Right? And so, but the thing is, is this, is what I learned through this process, and maybe let me deposit this in you today, is you have to put yourself in a position for him to deal with it. And so often the reason that we, that we get saved and we've been in the kingdom for 20 years, we've been, we've been a, we, you know, it's like we don't even know we're a king for 20 years. We, you know, we, we have a throne, all that, you know, whatever. Let me not get all unbiblical there, but... But uh, in other words, that we, we have a way we should be carrying ourselves. But for 20 years, we've been carrying ourselves like day one. You know, and if you really look, you, you know, at Saul, we talked about Saul at the beginning. There's you a man that never knew what it was like to finally take off the pauper mentality. He never embraced the fact that here's the way a king's supposed to behave. Is that true? And, uh, you, you know, and, it, and ultimately it was, it was to his demise. He lost everything because of that mentality. And the wild part is, is guess what, is in between those chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9, I mean chapter 10, right there in chapter 9, the Bible says that God gave him a new heart. But guess what, it's up to him and it's up to us what we do with that new heart. Amen? So, so listen, listen to the call of the Lord today, okay? It's real simple, okay? Love God, love people, love yourself. And God help us all to receive love from all three. Please help us, right? Just kind of a thought in case you're leaving today going, well, what about this? What about that? Um, like I said, today's really just foundational. Uh, we're going to try to cover those things in the next few weeks. So obviously Easter will not be about this, but we'll figure that out. All right? Um, let's just pray really fast. Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come and you would do what only you could do in our hearts. Father, you have the ability to speak one word to our hearts, God, that literally that can change everything. God, a thousand sermons wouldn't do it. 
God, a thousand, a thousand hours even praying wouldn't do it. But when you speak, man, Lord, it's so clear. So, Father, bottom line, you love every person that's in this room. God, you call them son. You call them daughter. You have a great plan, a great purpose for their life. And, Lord, you desire to see them, uh, God, living, God, to their fullest potential in you. And, Lord, if we're honest and vulnerable before you, God, a lot of times the reason we don't live up to our potential is because we don't really love ourselves. And so, Lord, I'm just asking, God, that you would begin to come and help us, even help me, even as I sat at my desk yesterday and just said, Lord, run me through this process again. Lord, I'm asking you to run us through it. God, that we would be so, God, comfortable in our own skin because we see of who you are in us and we're in love with that. God, that we love who you've made us, not who we've made ourselves, not our talents, not our abilities, but, God, we love the fact that we are sons and daughters of the King. And, Father, I just pray, God, that we would be so confident and secure in that. God, that literally all the insecurities that we know that came through the fall, Lord, we pray, God, those insecurities would vanish. And, Lord, we could stand strong in who you are in us and who we are in you. And so, Lord, I just thank you that as we begin to uh, get the proper perspective, the proper vision of who we are in you, God, that we'll begin to look across the room and go, man, I really love that guy. I really love that gal from a pure heart. Because, God, it'll be, it'll be really that agape love that's been poured in our hearts. God, we can begin to pour it out to other people. And, Lord, that literally, I, I, I guess that my prayer is that we would be a people, God, that would change cultures with your love. God, that we would change the culture by the way that you love us and the way you love people. And as we operate in that, God, things would change. And, Father, I also pray today, God, that um, a lot of religion has taught us a lot of things that aren't biblical. God, religion has given us a view of you that's not really you. And so, Father, would you begin to break down the walls, remove the obstacles, and begin to let us have a proper, uh, proper vision, proper sight of who you really are. And, Father, we pray that today that we would begin anew, afresh, to begin to receive your love. And, God, no longer will we have a mentality that says, well, I'm just a, a sinner that's saved by grace. The bottom line, God, you made us sons. You made us daughters, God. Put the proper perspective in our hearts. And, God, let us see, God, that you're not just, um, I don't know, just angry with us and ticked off. But, Lord, that you really love us and, you're, and we have a place at your table. All those things, Lord. So, Father, thank you for not only helping us to receive love, God, from in those three areas, but, Father, thank you for allowing us to give love in those three areas. Father, we pray that we'd be a generous people with your love. God, that just as your word says, freely as you received, God, that we're supposed to give it. So, Lord, we would freely give it back to you, that we'd freely give it back to others, and we'd freely give it back to ourselves. And so, Lord, whatever you desire to do in our hearts today, God, whatever you desire to rearrange in us, maybe it's the way we talk, maybe it's the way we act, maybe it's the words we even say about ourselves or to tell other people, uh, Lord, our thoughts. Once again, all the things that kind of come along with all this, God, what you need to begin to rearrange, rearrange. What you need to set in order, set it in order. God, so we can be your people and live to the fullest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.